The following Teisho by Shinge Roshi, Roko Sheri Shayat, was recorded at the Zen Center of Syracuse Hoenji in Syracuse, New York. These recordings are offered for free. We welcome your financial support. To contribute and for further information, please visit www.zencenterofsyracuse.org. Thank you. Hekigon Roku Case 39 Umon's Kayakuron Engo's Introduction One who can take action on the road enjoys perfect freedom of mind in ordinary life and is like a tiger that commands its mountain retreat. One who drifts about in the affairs of the world is like a monkey in a cage. If you want to know Buddha nature, you must pay attention to time and causation. If you aspire to the condition of pure gold that has been refined a hundred times over, You must be shaped in the teacher's forge. Now, tell me, how do you identify one whose great function is operating freely? Main subject. A monk asked Umon, What is the pure body of reality? Umon said, Kayakurdon a flowering hedge. The monk said, How about if I understand it like that? Umon said, A golden-haired lion. Secho's verse, Don't mistake, Kayakuran. The mark is on the balance, not the tray. Saying, like that, betrays ignorance. The golden-haired lion, beware. Yesterday I said, oh, what a beautiful day. And I said, sometimes I say that on a gray, cold, rainy day. Such a beautiful day. Silver light, wet green. Birds are finding good things to eat. And yesterday, we got as far as the main subject's first line. 
It's often the case that these short koans require the most investigation. Like, like, what is this? Like, who am I? So we heard about the pure body of reality, dharmakaya, the pure body of Buddha. And I wanted to read a section of Rinzai Roku, the book of Rinzai, about this matter. Rinzai says, the death-dealing devil of impermanence comes in an instant without discerning between noble and base, old and young. If you don't want to be different from the Buddhas and patriarchs, just don't seek outside. The pure light of your mind at this moment, this is Dharmakaya Buddha within your own house. The non-discriminating light of your mind at this moment, this is Sambhogakaya Buddha within your own house. The undifferentiated light of your mind at this moment, this is Nirmanakaya Buddha within your own house. This threefold body is you listening to my teaching right now. When you don't seek it by running around outside, you embody these supreme functions. So he starts off by saying the death-dealing devil wonderful, death-dealing devil of impermanence comes in an instant. And Trueheart told me a story, a really remarkable story. You can correct me if I have some of the details wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The death-dealing devil. It's a story about someone he's gotten to know up in Canada. She's 88. She was in Eastern Europe during the Holocaust and was put in a slave labor camp. And this was during her teens. Later, she was able to emigrate to Canada and married a man who was quite violent and brutal. This is interesting. I think many of us have noticed how the so-called difficult things in our lives seem to become familiar, and then we seek it out 
again and again until we come to see that that's what we're doing. So she had a very difficult marriage. They had two sons. They bought a house with a beautiful garden. The garden was really her refuge. She became an extraordinary gardener. Then this brutal guy died, and she found herself in this wonderful period of her life, just enjoying this calm and tranquil time still very much involved with gardening. One of her sons was uh, the owner of a small business, and somehow it wasn't going very well. And of course, as a mother, she was concerned, and the house was worth uh, 500000 or so. So she said, well, let me transfer it to you, and that may help you with your business. Well, evidently, it helped him in various ways because recently the house was up for foreclosure because he had spent $450,000 on this collateral, if you will. And so she is now about to be evicted from this beautiful place and her garden. And Trueheart and she recently sat and talked, and he felt, of course, great sympathy. And she said, It's okay. I've seen worse. And this was quite impressive to him realizing that he didn't need to bring his judgmental mind to the situation. He didn't have to get on his charger and go after her son. He could just sit with her in the garden. And when she no longer had that garden, someplace else. Well, Rinzai speaks of the pure light of your mind at this moment. This, of course, is what we chant every morning. Atadipa. You are the light. You are the light itself. pure light of your mind at this moment. What is this Dharmakaya, this pure body of Buddha, your own light, experienced by you right now, right here, as it is,
Prada Roshi has a wonderful commentary on this Dharma body. He says, this Dharma body surges through each and every one of us. Remember yesterday I said, this is not about quietistic practice. Oh, I think I'll just sit down and enjoy the nice quiet day. No, it isn't. It's surging. Surging through each and every one of us, spilling out to fill up the universe. How big is your Buddha body? It's a truth that goes beyond the physical body. It is the purity of our clearest state of mind. Vertically, vertically, it pierces through the three realms of time. Horizontally, it extends throughout the ten directions. And Rinzai says, in the eyes it is called seeing, in the ears it is called hearing, in the nose it smells odors, in the mouth it converses, in the hands it holds, in the feet it runs. Fundamentally, it is one pure radiance. When divided, it becomes six harmonious functions. This one pure radiance, this dharmakaya, your Buddha body, in action through the six senses, all the functions of your being are none other than this pure light. Right? Glad you agree. (laughs) Commenting on this monk's question, what is the pure body of reality, Hakuin says that the monk knows Umon's tricks. In other words, he's not just some young monk who's come to ask about the way. He's testing Umon. He's asking this question about Dharmakaya. Ordinarily, perhaps an ordinary person might answer with some lofty reply, demonstrating knowledge of Buddhist teachings. Some explanation, perhaps. Oh, Dharmakaya. Mm. And, of course, asking itself about Dharmakaya is separating from it. So already the monk is setting up this separation. What is already separating, separating? 
if Uman gives him any explanation whatsoever, he falls into the monk's trap. But he has to answer, right? You may say, well, no, he doesn't have to answer. Wrong. Remember the koan, man up a tree. Hanging there by his teeth. His hands can't reach any branch. His feet have no limb to rest upon. Hanging by his teeth. And someone comes along underneath the tree and says, Why did Bodhidharma come from the West? What is the meaning? If he answers, he loses his life. If he doesn't answer, he fails to respond. So this is that koan that some of you have worked on again and again. And of course, it's a dilemma in Zen. Always when you come to Doksan, you have to present your experience, right? You have to express, you have to show. Somebody says, I hate having to show. I'd much rather explain. But this is not Zen. It's not about a concept. It's not about feeding into the hunger for someone else's ready explanation. There's such a hunger for meaning. What does this mean? How can I get my discursive intellect around this? Feed me, feed me. Give me something I can depend on. What can you depend on? Say it louder. The death-dealing devil of Of impermanence. Yes, the death-dealing devil you can depend on, but there is more than that. What is the pure body of your own true mind at this moment? No matter where you go, no matter what you encounter, within this world of death-dealing impermanence, what can you depend on? What did Rinzai say when Obaku said, what will you do when you get there? When I get there, I'll know what to do. To have faith in this 
pure body that is your own true being. But we often forget and search outside for someone else's meaning. What is the intention of Bodhidharma coming from the West? Rinzai said, intention? If there had been any intention, he couldn't have even saved himself. Again, countering that need for reassurance that we all have. Countering that need for dependence on what cannot ever support or nourish us. But if the monk's question gets no response, now I have to point something out. Sometimes a response is given in words. Sometimes a response is shown in a gesture Sometimes a response is given as no response. This is different from no response. You understand? Yes and no. Okay. (laughs) Vimalakirti, thunderous silence. Greatest response. We have to actualize, we have to live our understanding at every moment. We can't get stuck thinking, oh, emptiness of self emptiness of phenomena. I don't have to do anything because everything is everything. Yeah, right? Come in and dokes on with that. But this monk has something. So he wants to see how the great Umon will respond to his question, his parrying, ready, ready to respond if the answer falls into the slightest trace of dualism, such as nothing or something, such as yes or no, this or that. Right or wrong, pure or impure. Diamond Sutra, today we heard, truth is 
uncontainable and inexpressible. It neither is nor is it not. Inexpressible and expressed over and over in the Diamond Sutra, using words to awaken us to the impossibility of words. It is only called that over and over. It's just a name, right? So now we'll get to the second line. <laughs> Uman said, Kyokrodon. So about this Kyokrodon, I need to speak. It's translated as a flowering hedge. You know what a hedge is? Hedge? 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 Some like bushes with sweet flowers blooming. Camellia, maybe. What do we have that has a fragrance? Boxwood. Boxwood is a hedge with lovely little tiny white flowers that smell so sweet. What time of year? Soon, right? June, maybe. Hmm? June. Boxwood in June. Although, these days, could happen in May. (laughs) So this kind of hedge was planted in China to camouflage the latrine, the toilet. So around the toilet area, the ground would be what? No. Very fertile, right? She fell right into the impurity of it all. (laughs) Down, down, down. Into the latrine. So, very fertile. Of course, fertile night soil, stinky. So this hedge, very beautiful, right? Lots of flowers. Kayakradon. Very often seen not only for a latrine, but maybe out back we have this um, air conditioner. We should plant a kayakaran. Or next door we have a porta potty. And it's all stone, you know, concrete, so we can't. But anyway, you understand. Maybe inside the porta potty there are little kayakaran. <laughs> yes? This, this porta potty, we, we rent it. procession from a company run by two ladies and they're very good at taking care of their porta potties to the extent of having little kayakaran flowers inside that probably also have some chemical scent now of course this is the same uman who when asked what is buddha said what? 
Conchiquets, which means? Shit-wiping stick. So his mind, you can see where it is. Probably he and this monk were sitting outside, a beautiful rainy day, and he just pointed. Monk said, what is the pure body of reality? Pointed. Kayakadana. Of course, it might have been something of a surprise to the monk, thinking pure body of reality and hedge around a latrine. But as I said, this monk had some understanding. So quickly we can get caught up in the meaning of something. Umon said, Kayakaran. Immediately after hearing my translation and explanation about what it is for, your mind is already going, oh, purity, impurity. Must be a metaphor. That's what we do. And so we have this metaphor, hedge, soil, impurity, purity. The monk is asking about the absolute. He gets the relative. He asks about the essence. He gets differentiation. Yada, yada, yada. All these Buddhist terms, right? Sameness and differentiation, principle and phenomena. So your mind can really wrap itself around this. Umun responds, Kayakuran. And it seems to be the particular, the thing over there, one of the 10,000 things, maybe implying, oh, Kayakuran, in everything, right? Harada Roshi has another passage that I wanted to read to you. Looking closer, Umun's Kayakaran is the only way he could answer. If he is presenting that which surges through the whole universe, vertically piercing through the three realms of time and horizontally extending in the ten directions, if this really is the root source of the koan of Mu, then it needs to reach from the heights of heaven right down to that toilet. If it doesn't reach all the way down to the maggots in that toilet, it's not the root source. So Kayakuran. Reaching all the way up and down and this way and that way. Entire universe.
universe. This uh, monk, Engo, says of him, he's of the same family as Umon. In other words, he is a disciple of Umon and himself, as Engo puts it, a longtime student who knew the business of the household. Someone who is training seriously here, who knows the business of our household, our Zen transmission from teacher to student throughout time. So then the monk hears this kayakura and says, how about if I understand it like that? What does that imply? Umon has said, The monk didn't really have a toehold in that, did he? Hard to parry that one. Dharma combat ended right there. How about if I understand it like that? Like that. Do you think... He's entangling his eyebrows with Umon with that statement. How about if I understand it like that, like you? Mm -mm. What if I agree that all things, pure and impure, so-called, are Dharmakaya, are Buddha? Am I just echoing Umon? Is that Kayakuran my experience? Like that already is a problem, right? If we think, okay, I get it. No need to struggle. Rensai says, don't strive. Don't seek outside. Okay, great. I don't have to do anything. It's true. And yet. And yet. Yes. We must awaken to this ourselves. We must be able to show it with our own expression. Cannot take Umon's word for it. 
What is the pure body of reality? Oh, Kayakaran. Okay. We don't need shallow acceptance. We need radical acceptance. Turning ourselves inside out, upside down. This is practice. To push beyond, to find out for ourselves is radical acceptance of this as it is-ness. As it is. This includes everything. Our habits of mind that we have decided are no good, our obstacles, our judgmental minds, our anger, all the things that we see arising while we are sitting in session. I didn't come to session to have to look at that. That doesn't feel good. But here we are. Bravely seeing as it is, not what we prefer. These thoughts, these negative thoughts, can't be changed by some mental readjustment. Thoughts about thoughts. Oh, I feel so bad about my bad thoughts. That's ad infinitum. It has to be disrupted, disjunctively disrupted, completely disrupted. Someone asked me the difficult things in my life According to Buddhism, is that because I did something wrong? And now I see my karma coming into fruition. It's a very subtle point. Some of you may know the Buddhist poet and performance artist, Laurie Anderson. One of her pieces goes, Did I drink some poison? In a former lifetime, I must have done something really bad. And we have these feelings when we look into this lifetime, never mind the past lifetime. Don't we find things we regret? Is there anyone here? who can honestly say, 
as Edith Piaf did. Je ne regrette rien. Yes, you have no regrets whatsoever. Tomorrow does not happen for you. <laughs> Pema Chodron has, uh, in, in this book, Taking the Leap, some interesting things to say about regret. When we begin to see clearly what we do, how we get hooked and swept away by old habits, our usual tendency is to use that as a reason to get discouraged, a reason to feel really bad about ourselves. I must have done something terrible in a past life that I'm having so much trouble now. Yes, that is the Buddhist understanding of karma. Yes, it is actually what happens. But if we excoriate ourselves, if we heap blame upon ourselves and feel guilty about something that we did out of ignorance, does that help? We don't know what it was. But think about this. You're all here. Hey! 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 Wonderful karma. Purifying. Oh, my evil karma ever committed by me since of old. You have to see it before you can say, I now confess and purify them all. So she gives this uh, little story about His Holiness the Dalai Lama. He was asked by a man named Howard Cutler, who wrote The Art of Happiness, if there was anything he'd ever done in his life that he felt bad about, anything he regretted. Unlike you, he said yes. She'll never live that down. (laughs) And he told the story of an older monk who came to see him one day and asked about doing a certain high-level Buddhist practice. The Dalai Lama casually told the old man that this practice would be difficult and perhaps would be better undertaken by someone who was younger. That traditionally it was a practice That should be started in one's teens. Even you are too old. (laughs) He later found out that the monk killed himself in order to be reborn in a younger body to more effectively undertake the practice. Cutler was stunned. He asked the Dalai Lama how he had been able to deal with his regret. He also asked how he had gotten rid of it. 
The Dalai Lama paused for a long time and really thought about it. Then he said, I didn't get rid of it. It's still here. He went on to say, even though that feeling of regret is still here, it isn't associated with a feeling of heaviness or a quality of pulling me back. He went on to say that being dragged down by regrets or held back by them would be to no one's benefit. So, learning from mistakes and going forward, doing all we can to help others. After all, How can we help others if we haven't had these mistakes and sincerely regretting? We therefore understand. This is the meaning of compassion. Through my own mistakes, I can be of some help. Maybe. So we don't need to get tangled up in blame and self-blame and judgment in the kind of negative thinking that you see so clearly when you've been sitting hour after hour. How to interrupt that negative thinking? As I've been saying over and over, there is only one way, which is don't get caught up in further thought. Just use your breath. This very exhalation, letting it go. Finding the energy at the source and at the very last drop of your breath That space is true forgiveness, true compassion, changing your mind. Someone said, after deeply seeing, This person said, I feel as though a truck has been lifted off my shoulders. So even though we may be sitting straight, great posture, somehow this is maybe the feeling. Huh? Anybody feel that way? Ah, From time to time. So with our bodies, we can change our mind. It's not two, right? Body, mind. Sitting with beautiful, strong, alert mind and breathing deep, deep, deep to the very bottom of 
the earth. Umar said to the monks, question, how about if I understand it like that? A golden-haired lion. Now this golden-haired lion, I'm sure each of you can see in your mind's eye, is what's it look like to you? What's it suggest to you, this golden-haired lion? What does it suggest to you? Regal. Regal, yes. Ferocious. Ferocious, yes. Powerful, Powerful yes. Beautiful. Beautiful, yes. Death. Hmm? Death. Death, okay. You're heading there. (laughs) Watch out for that lion. Well, of course, the king of the jungle, grand and fierce, all the things you said. Each hair on this golden-haired lion is reflecting another. This actually is a symbol from the Flower Garden Sutra, the Kegon School. Kegon is flower garden in Japanese or Hawaiian in Chinese. And this Avatamsaka in, in Sanskrit, this Lion, this golden-haired lion, is a symbol of the cosmos. So all of these golden hairs, like Indra's net with all the diamonds, reflecting each other. All these golden hairs reflecting each other in mutual interpenetration of the universal and the particular. Or in this koan, of course, Dharmakaya, Kayakaran, not at all, too. Mutually interpenetrating. Each thing containing in itself all other things. All the 10,000 things we heard in yesterday's reading on believing in mind. In one emptiness, the two are not distinguished. And each contains in itself all the 10,000 things. When no discrimination is made between this and that, how can a one-sided and prejudiced view arise? When the deep mystery of one suchness is fathomed, all of a sudden we forget external entanglements. When the deep mystery of the pure body of reality is fathomed, all of a sudden, Kayakaran. When the 10,000 things are viewed in their oneness, we return to the origin and remain where we ever have been. So this golden-haired lion is an infinity of infinities within the whole and within each particular. <laughs>
pretty amazing, huh? You think that's Umon's admiring response to the monk? How about if I understand it like that? This golden-haired lion, each part, the whole, the whole in each part, like DNA. Pretty impressive. This pure body of reality. And, of course, Kayakaran is one expression of this and reflects all other expressions of this. But there's no like that about it. To say, oh, that's what Kairakaran is all about. And we hear this and think, okay, now I'm starting to get it. Again, we get caught up in searching for meaning. It's not a metaphor. It refers to, this golden-haired lion refers to this interpenetration. But it's not a metaphor. It's the thing itself. The golden-haired lion is what Manjushri, the Bodhisattva of wisdom, rides on. So is Umon saying, wow, you're a golden-haired lion. You're my equal. You really understood my Kayakaran. Well, Secho says in his verse, don't mistake Kayakaran. Don't get caught in the word. Don't attach to this expression as it. The mark is on the balance, not the tray. That's a scale, okay? The mark is on the balance, holds the tray. There's no fixed weight here. It's the monk's mind, not the word, that betrays ignorance. Saying like that, Secho says, betrays ignorance. Thinking the word kairakaran is what pure body means. Thinking, oh, flowering hedge is where Umon is giving us a little way in. Taking that to be the mark on the tray rather than the balance. What is Umon's Kayakaran? What is it to experience this bare self?
no like that about it. So then Secho's last line, the golden-haired lion, beware. If you don't awaken to the truth of Dharmakaya, your own pure body, to the truth of whatever can be pointed to. Then you will be gobbled up by that lion. So we have to see it for ourselves. This precious, short, time together. We have to see through our own Buddha eye. Hi.